Hi everyone and welcome back to the Poma podcast. Uh, I am James Prescott, your host. Welcome back to the show. Really great to have you all here again. Um, and um, got a new guest today, which I always love because I always like talking to new people and meeting new people um, and bringing them onto the show. It's uh, always really exciting. And today we have a, uh, a therapist and author and speaker, um, Heidi Dennis. Welcome yeah. to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you on. Um, I've uh, I've encountered you through um, uh, your work primarily. Um, um, quite active on social media and also you've got a book come out as well yes yes i do which is very exciting and i'm really excited to talk about it it's called um hello anxiety how to find your peace by changing your response to anxiety yes i love the title i think it's brilliant i think Uh uh, it's kind of really down to earth it's not formal Mm -hmm. you know um it's quite in yeah it's quite inviting i guess is the phrase yeah yeah i'm i'm glad you caught that because that was my my heart behind it is you know you can read the hello anxiety in two different tones like hello anxiety ugh, like frustrated right mm-hmm. or hello anxiety what can i learn from you right <laughs> how how can i respond differently to you um yeah and so i wanted mm-hmm. to reframe how can you respond to anxiety in a different way yeah, and that's really important as well because a lot of people have anxiety, <laughs> including me. Uh, I, I, you know, I've talked about that on the show before. Uh, my mental health stuff, um, anxiety is one of the things that I have. Um, yeah, and yeah, it can be challenging sometimes, <laughs> um, especially when you've got other things like ADHD and autism and you know some post-trauma stuff as well like you know it's not uh it's not a good mix (laughs) it makes it hard it makes it hard in in fact when people come in you know with anxiety a lot of times they they misunderstand it and think that their body's malfunctioning or Mm. betraying them right Mm. reality it it might be trying to to help them trying to keep them safe right yeah this is something I've learned in therapy, actually. Um, I do in- internal family systems therapy. Yeah, and, um, one of the things that, that I mean, I've talked about it on the show before, but um, one of the things that that you, we talk about a lot is that your internal managers are there to protect you. Yeah. They're not trying to hurt you. They think they're doing what is right to keep you safe. Yeah. And once you understand that, it's, it's a lot easier to do the therapy oh. because – like I start to feel sorry for these managers that are actually causing me harm, but we're just trying to help. Just trying um, to help. I don't know any better. Like, so it's, yeah, you're right. Anxiety is just your body trying to protect you. Um, and, you know, I've done a lot of embodiment work and learned to listen to my body. So I'm be- I guess I've got better at reading the signs. Um yeah, so it's yeah, but this is really important. Um, one of the things I like about this book is you've written it in really small, you've written really short chapters, which are really mm-hmm. practical. Yes. Um, and so tell us a bit about why you did that. Yeah, I wanted, you know, when you're anxious, you're typically feeling overwhelmed, right? Overstimulated. Mm. And so I wanted the chapters to be 
kind of short, sweet, to the point, um, not too wordy, not, you don't need to think that I sound smart when you're reading the book. You need to, to feel like you're in a conversation, right? You need to feel like someone sitting across from you who's just walking, walking through this with you. And so I wanted to keep them short and very conversational. Um, there's a few reflection questions at the end of each chapter. If you want to kind of just reflect a little more and take it a little deeper. Um, yeah, so that, so the whole way the book is written is, is meant to be very accessible to anyone from teens, age teenagers and on up. Mm, The way you're describing it sounds almost like it's a written therapy session. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because that's what therapy is often like is, you know, the therapist doesn't talk as much as the patient or whatever you want to call the person who's getting therapy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, but it's very practical and supportive. Yeah. Yeah. That was my hope. Yeah. So what, so, okay. I'm going to ask, what is anxiety? Oh, such a good question. (laughs) Um, My favorite definition is it's your nervous system responding to a perceived threat. And so basically, you know, anxiety is, is your nervous system. It's your internal alarm system. Um, trying to keep you safe, trying to protect you. And when I say perceived threat, I say that very intentionally because sometimes there's not a real threat in front of you. You know, I mean, if there's a car coming at you, obviously you're going to need a certain amount of anxiety to get out of the way. You're going to need your nervous system to respond enough to pump your system with adrenaline and, and tense up your muscles to react and pump your blood full of oxygen so that you can move. But sometimes we can feel anxious and there's not an actual threat in front of us. Um, And so I think that's when, that's when anxiety can be the most misunderstood of, is it still useful when there's not an actual threat? And the answer is yes, it is still useful. Yes, that's right. That's very good. Very succinct. Yeah, I mean, like lots of things can bring anxiety on. I mean, like how your body perceives threats, that can be affected by trauma, can't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, so one of the things that anxiety might be trying to tell you is that if it's not an actual threat in front of you, it might be reminding you of a a previous threat. It might be bringing up past trauma. And so what is anxiety trying to tell you in that moment? Well, maybe it's telling you, you need to remind yourself you're safe now. Maybe anxiety is telling you, you need to reach out to someone for connection or reassurance. Maybe anxiety is telling you, you need to set up that therapy appointment, right? Um, Even if there's not an actual threat, even if it's reminding you of a previous threat, you can see how it can still be very useful in in helping you, right? Hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, um, that's definitely been my experience. Um, yeah, um, I've learned to navigate alleged threats. Yeah. Um, because of what I've been through before. Yeah. Yeah, and it feels very real and in the moment in your body, right? It feels probably no different than when you're actually facing it. Yeah. It yeah. It's, but- it's not yeah. Like everybody, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And yeah, I mean, like, what well, I mean, I mean, also, like, when you've had a past trauma, sometimes your body can perceive threats that aren't there, right? Because it wants to avoid getting down the path of what happened before. That sure. definitely happened to me. Well, I've kind of had, like, and this is, I did, I mean, this, for me, this kind of shows up in my internal managers, the way I do therapy, but, it, I mean, it's anxiety, it's, essentially, it is, like, these managers being created that create a reaction when there's even a remote suggestion of something that could yeah. be, because I'm an overthinker, like, my brain jumps about a thousand steps down the road to the worst possible outcome, um, because I've had loads of trauma, and so my brain is like preparing me for the worst possible outcome in case it actually happens. Right, right. And very rarely, if ever, does it actually happen. Exactly. Um, <laughs> exactly. Um, so, like, that's a I mean, that's that's kind of not like nor I don't say normal anxiety, but that's not like that's not the same kind of anxiety that you kind of like a regular person would get when they're crossing the street and they see a car coming and they have to run out to get out of the way of it. It's a, right. that's caused by past trauma right yeah yeah so how do you how does one how does one learn to navigate that yeah that's a great question because i mean first you know whenever you feel dysregulated in your system whenever you feel anxious i think the first question we have to ask ourselves is is there a current threat am i actually in danger um if the answer is yes then obviously you get to safety if the answer is no that's just a prompt to get curious about it. Like, is it past trauma that I need to remind myself that I'm safe now? And kind of by listening to it, you're able to be led to that anchor of, wait a second, I'm safe and I can reach out to someone or I can practice some grounding techniques or I can remind myself of all that I've learned or how far I've come. You know, if you listen to it, it can lead you to how to respond to it. Hmm. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'll tell a story actually, which kind of, kind of is an example of this. Like last, last week, um, and I haven't said this, in, I haven't said this publicly anywhere yet, but um, apart from social media, last week I, uh, I um, had some chest pains mm. and um, on this, on the heart side of the chest. Um, my left arm was a bit weak and stuff, and I rang the doctor because I was a bit, you know, you, everyone gets nervous about chest pains, mm-hmm. um, rightly so. Like again, yeah, that's, yeah. that's healthy anxiety. Absolutely. Um, but um, but I uh, so I rang the doctors and they told me to go to the A and E. So I was at that point I was a bit worried I was going to die um, because I didn't know what it was. Um, yeah. But um, they did some. A lot of the short version of it is they did a lot of tests on me. They did mm-hmm. tests on my chest and my heart, on my blood and everything like that. Uh, my blood pressure, it wasn't my heart. My blood was, it was fine. My blood pressure was was fine. My blood wasn't infected. My chest was fine. There was no problem with blood pressure. Um, and so the doctor told me, you know, this like suggested to me, this is probably some kind of anxiety mm. because my, my, my bones were very, very tense in my shoulder so much so that I could feel them, and they were quite painful. Um, I've got a muscle, got a muscle pain here, which is the muscle. Mm-hmm. Not, there's nothing underneath, and just muscle strain from tension, I presume. Um, and I've been, I've been having problems sleeping. 
Um, and so he, the doctor told me to slow down. Mm. And so that was really basically his advice, you know, slow down. Yeah. Uh, and it kind of, and I did say to him that this year, this year has been a tough year for me in a lot of ways because my dad, my dad almost died twice. Mm. <laughs> he was in hospital for a lady. He's in the hospital for like six months of the last nine months, I think. Wow, wow. Five of the last nine months, something like that. Anyway, and my niece got pneumonia and almost died. Didn't mm. die. Um, she's fine now. Um, my dad's fine now as well. Uh, okay. My cousin actually did die. Uh, and uh, that was not completely unexpected, but the timing was unexpected. Uh, so... You know, and obviously, and all, and all my love, all the people that I love, my my my, my sister, my dad, her family, my partner, they all they all live far away. Yeah, and so yeah. I don't see them very often. So, you know, that you know, so and I don't like, especially with my dad being sick, I don't like being so far away from him. You know, um, and not being able to do anything. So, there's been a lot of um, things that I've carried this year, and I think what I realise is. I probably just try to try to worry more about other people than, and for, kind of forgot to worry about myself and yeah, yeah, how I was feeling. And, yeah, um, and your anxiety was trying to get your attention. Yeah, it was it's trying yeah. to get your attention. Yeah, that, I mean, plus I was having too much caffeine as well. That probably didn't help, but yeah, <laughs> that'll was, that'll mimic anxiety for sure. Get the heart rate pumping. Yeah, I mean, it was. I've had. Um, like moments of hype of uh, hypertension, yeah, this year as well, and um, I think it's linked to my family situation, but I haven't just, I just haven't talked about it, and it's anxiety, yeah. it's anxiety about yeah. those people and not being able to do anything about it, and because and I've, you, I've had yeah. heart trauma, I've lost a parent, I've been like forgotten or abandoned or whatever before, and like whatever so I've got anxiety about that I've got rejection sensitive dysphoria like and I guess basically I had exactly what you're talking about my body was trying to tell me something yes. slow down amazing talk about whatever where you ever is you're feeling like amazing amazing I mean yeah. see what you just did you you listen to it long enough to talk through and list as you listen to all the things you've been through over the past year year or so you it raised your awareness of wow i've i've really been through a lot i've really been carrying a lot yeah and and it just validated all of the things that your body was experiencing and and what it was trying to tell you the yeah. the other thing that jumped out at me about that story is how quickly we pursue help for physical symptoms right of like oh mm -hmm. my heart i better go to the doctor right but in reality like how often do we pay attention to our emotional you know what our body is telling us through our emotions and yeah I mean, yeah. yeah and I, I, I'd actually noticed as well to be honest before before that happened that I was getting a bit more I was a bit more on edge than normal sure. more snappy sure. getting angered more easily than I normally do because I don't I don't normally get angered that easily um I was unable to control my trigger responses yeah. as easily I, I had been thinking about this, like what what's wrong? Like, I I can't figure it out. What's wrong? I just couldn't figure it out. Mm. Um, 
And so I knew something was wrong before this happened. I just didn't know what to do about it. Um, but fortunately, you know, I mean, I say fortunately, but you know, this kind of this kind of stuff like gave me and the doctor. To be honest, the doctor seeing me and saying that was I'm almost glad I got to see a doctor about it. Yeah, because he could firstly reassure me that all this stuff is not what I thought it was, and also kind of help diagnose it a little bit. But yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, my response to that was to cut out caffeine and to change my diet and to just slow down and get a lot of sleep. Yeah, uh, I'm taking a day off work this week. Um, I'm talking to a friend. My friend promised to promised to gift me a spa day. We never got around to it, so I think she's going to do that. I thought it might be a good idea to just go and properly slow down. You know, yeah, like social media a bit more than I had than before as well. So I've just tried to, you know, take it easy, not go out much. Yeah. yeah. So I'm. I think I'm. I think I'm doing okay. I'm well supported. I've got a good family and partner and. Who are really supportive. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I wanted to tell that story because really, it's just an example of what we're talking about. You know, it's, yeah. Um, like what I mean. Okay, I mean, you know what I did in that situation. But what if you were met, if you met somebody who had that kind of thing happen? Mm-hmm. Say to them. Well, I mean, honestly, I, I love how you responded to it, James, of how you, you've sought help, even if it was at first for physical symptoms, you were able to recognize that it was anxiety. Um, I also think, you know, as you noticed even earlier, you mentioned a few clues that your body gave you even earlier on. Uh, I started getting a little more edgy. Yes, I noticed I wasn't handling triggers as easily. I was becoming, you know, a little angry at times and that's not me. And to me, that's just, you know, your nervous system telling you that you're carrying something heavy, right? So like if I'm carrying a giant box of something and I'm about ready to drop it and you walked up to me and you tried to just strike up a conversation, just easy going of like, hey, Heidi, what's up? And I'm about to drop it. I'm probably going to be a little agitated at you. <laughs> you yeah. know, I'm probably going to be like, not right now. I, uh, I'm carrying this heavy box. I'm about to drop it. I don't have time to talk right now. And I and I think with our emotions, a lot of times it's an invisible heavy box. The people around us don't see it. We're not always aware that we're carrying it. And for you, you became aware that you were carrying, you have been carrying over the past year, something really, really heavy. Right? Mm-hmm. And so all of the all of the ways you were feeling make sense. They make sense. Hmm. I tend to minimize when other people are suffering. Mm-hmm. To minimize what's going on with me because I'm trying to support them. That's a bad. Yeah, thing. yeah, but it's hard to support somebody when you're carrying a heavy box. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, yeah. I, I resolved after my mother died that I would never try and be strong for everyone again. Mm-hmm. That's what I did when she died, and I best suppressed my grief for wow. years. I never really dealt with it for years. Mm-hmm. I, I decided. I've decided to write. Decided long ago that I don't want to do that again. Yeah. I don't think I did that this time. I just think that uh, I think I just um, was so busy worrying about other people that I forgot to worry about myself. Mm. Rather than rather than kind of not telling people about how I'm feeling, I just forgot that it was this was going this is going to affect you as well. Or yeah. like, I was trying to minimise what I was going through because I was more worried about what my dad was going through or my niece was going through or whatever, you know. Um, yeah. And so that's a good lesson. Yeah. 
Yeah, because people do that with anxiety. They they minimize it. They assume there's something wrong with them, and they try to make it stop. That's the number one thing that people try to do with anxiety, especially when they come in my office and you know they have anxiety, and I ask what their goal is. They're like, well, yeah, make the anxiety stop. That's my goal. And you don't want that. You don't want to make it stop because you would be missing out on so much that it's trying to show you if you just tried to shut it up, right? Yeah. Yeah. So what techniques do you talk about in the book that that can help people kind of identify these things early on? Yeah. And like then respond to it in like yeah. a healthy way and not out of panic. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, I I do have some some tools and some coping skills in the book, but I I very intentionally put those later in the book because if I put them in the beginning, then people would just take them and try to make the anxiety stop. <laughs> yeah. So the very first steps that you have to do is number one, you have to learn to listen to it. You have to just kind of ask yourself, okay, is there a threat? And if there's not, what is this trying to tell me? What is this anxiety trying to tell me right now? Um, the second thing is kind of watching how you talk to yourself, like watching your tone to make sure when you are asking yourself these questions, you're doing it in a way that's compassionate. You're doing it in a way that is, um, kind, like you would, like you would say to a friend. Yeah, that's very, because it's very easy to get angry with yourself or with your body. Mm-hmm. when something like that is happening like, yeah stop stop calm down like like you know rather than just say hey hey what's going on like right like why, why, why is this happening <laughs> right um like, like no this is your fault stop we don't need to do this like i'm fine <laughs> right <laughs> you know, right that's yes. the worst like don't pretend you're fine because you're clearly not fine like yes that's yes. I can tell, you that, tell people that for free from my own experience don't pretend you're fine because that is that will make things worse, actually, not better. It does make things worse. Absolutely. It just gets louder. I mean, that's the thing with anxiety. It's trying so hard to protect you that if you don't listen to it, it gets louder. Yeah. That's you right. know, it, it gets sure. louder. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. So what things, what like, if people really want to catch things early, what what things can they look out for that maybe wouldn't be obvious giveaways for anxiety, but if you're paying attention to them, you might notice them? Yes. Well, um, so I'll, I'll go straight to the nervous system. You know, I'll be a little, little nerdy for a second. Um, so your, your nervous system, it has a one central nerve called the vagus nerve that runs all the way through it. And it kind of, the cool thing about it is it has three different strands in it, right? And these strands all kind of work as your um, your alarm system, but also it kind of rates the level of threat. And so one strand runs all the way down to your gut, from the base of your brainstem all the way down to your gut. And when that strand is sig- is signaled, it's almost like a it's it's like a deep level of threat. Like your body is thinking that there is something incredibly difficult coming your way, right? And it shuts everything down. So if you almost like a dissociative response, or if you've seen like a a possum playing dead, that would be kind of what it feels like. Like it's almost like your body saying, 
this threat that I'm sensing coming on right now is so scary that I need to shut everything down so that it hurts less. And so like when you feel it deep in your stomach and you're like, your stomach's in knots and like you feel kind of frozen, almost like this out of body experience or numb, um, that's your body's way of telling you, Hey, I'm, I'm picking up on a pretty big threat right now. Um, again, there might not be an actual threat. It might be telling you, this reminds me of a really big threat, you know, and I need to get the safety. The second strand runs right in your chest area. And that's the one that's kind of like a moderate risk. So if you notice your chest tightening, your muscles tensing, um, you know, your heart racing a little bit more, that would be one of like, okay, your body senses a threat, but it's like, I have some choices here. I can choose some fight or flight right now. Um, and so some things you might notice is, yeah, your heart racing, you're breathing a little more rapid, your muscles are tensing, all gearing your body up for a physical response. You know, it kind of gears you up to respond and protect yourself. Um, the third strand kind of runs up to, you know, the base of your, your um, brainstem. And that's the strand that's signaled when you feel safe. When you feel, you know, connected to somebody safe, when you feel peaceful and calm. Um, and that's important to know that, you know, you can access that part of your nervous system to find senses of, of peace and safety um, when you need it, when you're anxious. Mm. Yeah, I understand. I know what you mean by that feeling of safety. Um, yeah. There's certain people that when you're around them, that your body just intuitively feels safe. Yes. It's not a conscious thing. We just, like, like, you know, when I'm around certain people, I can fall asleep more easily mm. when I'm around other people. You know, um, you know, you can just let your guard down. You can be quite, and you end up, I find myself being much gentler, quieter, softly spoken, like yeah. slow, like um, more relaxed, more myself. I love that. I love that. And I know, and I know I can, I'm, I know myself enough now and know my body enough to know when I'm feeling that. Yeah. And no. isn't it amazing how your nervous system doesn't only like prepare you for a threat of like pumping oxygen in your blood so that you can move faster and tensing your muscles so that you can get to safety, but it also lets you know when you feel safe. Yeah. It also lets you know when, Hey, you can let down your guard. Now you can rest now. It's pretty cool. It is really cool. Well, this, is why really always, cool. this is why I recommend embodiment work for everybody because it allows you to get to know your body and listen to your body and pay attention to your body and have a relationship with your body that's a healthy one and uh, you know, for all around. And, yeah, certainly my, my – my, yeah, I've definitely grown and healed a lot from doing that. So, um, yeah, and that's probably one of the reasons I was able to do what I did last week. <laughs> You know, yeah, it's because I was paying attention, or I'm just always paying attention. Um, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, one of the things actually you talk about, I know that I know that you meant one of the things you mentioned about anxiety is that we try to numb it. We try to avoid mm -hmm. it. We try to numbing. Numbing is something that happens a lot in our culture because it's quite a, you know, we're 
highly medicated culture. Capitalism likes to likes us to numb pain rather than actually feel pain. One of the things I talk about on this podcast when we talk about grief is that you have to actually feel it. You have to Yeah. You have to let like let it happen. Like you have to let it out. It's okay. Whatever your response is, just let it out of your body. Speak it out, feel it, don't hold it in. Because um, the only way you'll heal is if you actually let it out. And it's the same with I suspect it's the same with anxiety, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, you have to let yourself feel it and listen to it in order to respond to it. You know, and, and I think, you know, as a society, or all, I guess all of us as humans, we don't like to be uncomfortable, right? Mm. And grief is uncomfortable and anxiety is uncomfortable. And so it makes sense that we would want to make it stop. It makes sense that we would try to find that quick fix. Um, but man, we are missing out on so much if we miss the opportunity to grieve or we miss the opportunity to respond to our anxiety. We're missing, we're missing such a gift that it can offer us. Mm. I like to call it the compassionate teacher because it really is. It really is. Yeah. It's changed when you when you shift the dynamic of it, and instead of seeing your body trying to attack, it, it's seeing as your body trying to attack you, mm-hmm. that your body's body trying to help you. That's a, yeah. there's a whole. I mean, this is what you talk about in the book, like that you that whole shift of dynamic changes that changes the whole thing. Yeah, because it's easy. Like it's almost an instinctive human response to think. Like, oh, my body is trying to get me. <laughs> like, right. what are you doing to me? <laughs> like, just yeah. stop. Like, yeah. um, um, and even I get like that sometimes with my ADHD when I forget things and I kind of lose things because I forget them. Like, I have those moments where, like, I, can't I just stop forgetting things? <laughs> you know, like, you know. Uh, but that's just how my brain works. I can't help it. Like, it's not my brain's fault. Um, and, um, yeah. We've got a, it's just got one of the, I think that's one of the most important things that you talk about because everything else comes from that, doesn't it? The whole shift in mindset towards your body and what you're, and and towards your anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. It can, it can teach us so much, you know, and, and I, I go in, in the book of just, you know, other, other things to avoid of, you know, when distraction doesn't work and, you know, the dangers in rehearsing of kind of like you were referring to earlier of thinking ahead of all of the possible things that could go wrong that might not actually go wrong, you know? <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. And the, the funny thing or funny, if you want to be sadistic about it is that your body doesn't know the difference between imagining going through it and actually going through it. And so emotionally you're putting yourself through this, the, this, what if twice, you know, if you actually have have to go through it or or once if you don't, um, you know, and you're also imagining the worst case scenario too. You're not imagining it going well, right? You're imagining all the ways it could go wrong. Hmm. You're not imagining the support system you'll have that actually regulates you and actually gives you peace and senses of safety when you're going through it. None of that's going through our mind when we rehearse, you know. And yeah. so just kind of talk through how do you bring it back to present? How do you respond in different ways? How do you listen without running ahead? Yeah. That's, yeah. And that thing about being fully present is really, really important. Yeah. 
I heard somebody say once that a lot of anxiety is living in the past. That's living mm-hmm. in the future, sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it could like, be both. It could be past. Or, like grief and stuff and like that can be living in the past. Mm-hmm. Like if you're letting that control you, I mean, not in itself. Obviously, it's good to grieve. It's good to process grief and trauma. But if you stay there too long and you're and you're living like that, like it's still happening, then that is controlling you. Right. That happened to me for a long time. I let grief control me for a long time. Um, I remember my sister kept telling me you're living in the past. She kept telling me that. Wow. Um, and uh, I finally woke up to it, and now that's not happening anymore. So. Yeah, and anxiety is always about the future, and I've had that as well. Where I, like you say, imagine twenty steps ahead, and like to the worst. And then you're right; it's true that I, I when I when I get to the worst case scenario, I'm because I'm a storyteller. I can create a story that would go to that scenario, like a whole oh, story yeah. in my head. And then my body gets stressed out and angry and breathless about that when it's not yeah. even real. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, and it's just like, and I, I only realized I, I did, I kind of knew this was happening but I wasn't I hadn't stood back from it mm-hmm. yet. And then one day I actually stood back from it, I thought, this is ridiculous. <laughs> I'm getting all worked up about this and not, this hasn't even happened yet. Yeah. It yeah. won't ever happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like and sometimes like, you get like worked up about job interviews or something like that and you kind of like do this kind of thing with that. And then you get there and it's like, oh it's fine. And you're kind of relieved, like, oh, this I thought this was going to be something, yeah, a lot worse than this, and it wasn't. Like, you know, so you just made it all up in your head, you know. That's the, yeah. but um, yeah. So you're right about that. Um, yeah, yeah that, it can it, like anxiety can be about things that aren't even going, aren't even happening, or aren't even going to happen. Right. Your body just wants to make sure that you're prepared for them, just because it's been through stuff before. Exactly. And I tell you, our nervous system is so in tuned to trying to protect us that it picks up on things that we're thinking about and things that we're worried about. And it signals a physical response to prepare us to respond to this thing, even though that thing isn't happening right now. And so you thinking about the future and thinking about the what ifs, you know, or like say you're, you have an early morning flight tomorrow and you're having trouble going to sleep the night before your nervous system is like, Oh, James is thinking about missing that flight. So we need to, he's worried about missing it. So we need to pump his oxygen full of blood and pump his adrenaline and like get him ready to run to make his flight. And you're lying in bed thinking, but I need to go to sleep. (laughs) You know, so what happened? Because I do struggle to sleep before flights. Like, yes, it's a lot of, I I hate being late anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, yeah, I always have a bit of, and I always leave much earlier. This is partly ADHD as well, because you don't because you lose a concept of time when you have ADHD. Yeah, yeah. Um, like how long things take to like, actually to get there. So yeah, that's definitely happened to me. That's oh yeah, yeah. And actually, what yeah. I've done is I've packed everything and I'm ready to go and I've set my alarm. So there's no way that I'll I won't wake up in time. And still my body went sleep. Yes, yeah. But I mean, even reminding yourself of that is is a great great way to respond because. Again, your nervous system is trying to protect you, even if you're not going to miss your flight the night before. And so sometimes we kind of need to speak directly and compassionately to our nervous system of, hey, it's not time to worry. You have five alarms set. You're all ready to go. Everything's good. You're, you're, you're going to be okay. You ha- I, give, like, I give you permission to rest right now. 
and and again it's 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 kind of that slow compassionate soothing tone not stop worrying right now and go to sleep right which elicits the opposite response um <laughs> yeah. yeah and you know i, I kind of like to compare it to um if a kid woke up from a nightmare and you went in their room and you said it's just a dream go to sleep and you said it like in that angry voice like i sometimes use when i get woken up in the middle of the night i have to confess um it's not going to calm your child down right mm-hmm. But if you go and say, hey, it was just a dream, you're safe, I'm here, you can go back to sleep, that shift in how you talk to yourself, that shift in how you talk to your nervous system can make all the difference, all the difference, you know. Um, so I think that's a, that's a huge factor that we need to remember when, when we're listening to anxiety, when we're responding to anxiety is we need to watch that tone. We need to watch that compassion, right? Mm. Yeah, I agree. So this has been really great. Um, what's the what's the biggest lesson that you've learned about anxiety that you want people to know? Mm. That it's trying to help you, e- even if it's not always logical, even if it's sometimes not always accurate, it's still there to try to, to help you and protect you. And if you can respond to that with, with compassion and with maybe a little curiosity of what is it trying to tell me, um, it can be a game changer. It can be a game changer. Hmm. That's really good wisdom. Um, thank you. Uh, it's always lovely talking to you, Heidi. Likewise. Um, I highly recommend this book um, and uh, Hello Anxiety. Um, it's available on Amazon now. Um, mm-hmm. And also, just where, where can people find you online, Heidi? Um, you can find me at HeidiDennisLPC.com or on Instagram at HeidiDennisLPC. Fantastic. Give Heidi a follow. She's a great follower on Instagram. Um, I love, I love, I love seeing her updates on Instagram. It's fantastic. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, maybe we'll have you back on the show one day. I'm sure there's a lot more to talk about. Yeah. So um, yeah, um, so check out Heidi's work. And um, thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for coming on the show, Heidi. Yeah. And uh, everyone, take care. <laughs>